Are you going to do an intro, Alicia? I was going to wait for you to do it. I wasn't going to steal it from you this no, time. No, I told you today. Go for it. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where something does something and something else does something else. I'm your host, Alicia Whitley, and I totally stole this intro from Jeremy, didn't write it down, and so completely forgot what I'm supposed to say. Well, I liked it. We hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Thank you! Now, my daughter has my back. My wife doesn't know what the intro to the podcast is, despite editing it, but my daughter, Zuri knows what the intro is sorry did you just read that off of something no you made oh, me listen nice. to enough i do love that you're each paired up with the one that looks the most like you so it just looks like rookie and champion form digimon <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know this we didn't no <laughs> what we started all right so tonight we are going to be talking about dead end paranormal park the netflix children's show and in order to help us talk about that, we've got some real live children on the podcast. So special child um, correspondence, special child correspondence. So I guess you usually start, Jeremy, by introducing each of the hosts and then introducing the special guests, right? Usually, yes. All right. So first up, your host and my BFF for life, writer and creator, Jeremy Whitley. Jeremy, hey, it's me. I didn't also prepare a thing to introduce myself. So here we are. Yay. Also, I don't know if Felicia, did you introduce yourself? I did not. I just said I was stealing the show. So it's oh, me. Let me introduce uh, your host for tonight and my wife and educator, Alicia Whitley. Not my educator, just my wife. Everybody's educator. Yes. Okay. <laughs> also on the podcast tonight, we have co-hosts Ben and Emily. How y'all doing tonight? We good. We're kicking off TV month with Dead End and the whole Whitley family. Indeed. Indeed. The uh, creators of the show and of some of our co-hosts as well, Jeremy and Alicia. It is lovely to be here. And also, Zuri and Amira Joy, how are you? No, you got to say it. People will yeah. see it. You, so you have good. to. Zuri is wave, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this I is an audio media. I said, how are you? Oh, I'm yeah. good. I that's a mood. I also feel wave. Yeah. Present. Yeah. All I heard was my name. <laughs> the vibes are physically present, mentally and spiritually. That's not a reflection on this very good show, though. That's just a reflection on my mess of a life. All right. So let's dive in. So the girls are going to join us for a little bit of the podcast tonight. We wanted to hear from real life kids opinions about this kids show. So Zuri, let's start with you. Uh, what brings you to tonight's episode? My mother. That's who brought me. Just your mother. I also feel like a certain other parent's getting off easy here. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the show. I thought it was interesting. It has a lot of humor bits, but it also has a lot of real life concepts mixed in, somehow making it like perfect. I agree. I think it's a pretty perfect show. Amara... Can you tell us what Dead End Paranormal Park is about? Scary stuff. Ghosts, monsters, basically just evil stuff. Absolutely. Can you evil stuff that's actually nice and 
talking stuff. So the main <laughs> characters are a ghost and a monster? No. Sometimes. So who are the main characters? Barney. Mm-hmm. Huxley. Who is a dog? A talking dog. A magic dog. A normal dog. Very good. And Norma, who is not very normal. Very good. And she's very grown. Yes. Is there anything before you go that you want to say that you like or dislike about this show? It, I don't like that it's a kid's show and they put actual scary parts, but I do like how the, the scary parts that aren't supposed to be scary are funny mm. instead of just not scary. Yeah. And one of them was really sad, like one of the parts, because in the first episode, it's like... Well, I'm not sure. You don't remember? So I do remember. I just don't say it. Oh, okay. Is it too sad? Uh, so I don't know how to explain it. Oh. Why don't you say spoilers? it? Actually, I don't know how to say it. Oh, okay. I don't know how to describe it. Okay. Who is your favorite character? Hmm. My favorite character is Courtney. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to oh, lean into the microphone in NBA player style. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I have to pick someone else. I'm only on this podcast because I'm required okay. to be. <laughs> That's exactly Zuri's attitude right now. Go ahead. You can pick Courtney. Okay, good. Zuri's only here because she doesn't get fined. Yeah. She's, Marsha, she's, she's giving us the full Marshawn Lynch tonight. I pick Courtney because she's kid-like. Oh, hmm, I can see that. Yeah. All right, so I did have two more questions. Hold on, for I want to know what Zuri likes about Courtney. Oh yeah, I think Courtney is a fun character for comedy relief, but they also give her her own storyline and her own song for some reason. Mm, she has a song. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. She has a verse one. and a song. Yeah, oh, nice, nice. Like, it's like the last episode because she gets her own song when like Pugsley puts a curse on everybody. Mm, I, remember. I remember. And then it's like it goes so far all the way over to the house. Nice. All right. The last question that I wanted to ask you all before you jump off is do any <laughs> do any of these episodes feature things that you're that actually make you scared that are actually scary? To yes. You? Okay. The first okay. episode where where she's in the mirrors, that one's pretty scary. Oh, but you want to know the funniest part, I think, about the first episode? Mm. The part where she's screaming and the microphone comes too close, so she has to, like, push up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got scary stuff and funny stuff. Yeah, yeah that, that is pretty funny. I'm not nearly as scared of mirrors as Amara seems to be, but... In the third well, episode, wait, 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 wait! It's not the mirror she's afraid of. It's the person like in the mirror, the ghosts in the mirrors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, either way, in episode three with Harmony, Norman's fear was of being judged, and I, as a middle schooler, can relate to that. And also, Pugsley's fear was vacuums, and that's very valid as well. You're afraid of vacuums. No, Pugsley's fear is vacuums because he's a dog. Yeah, but Zuri, are you afraid of vacuums? Not always, but sometimes. Just afraid of chores, huh? Yeah. <laughs> She's afraid of torture. Zuri, are you afraid of being tortured? Yes. Like Courtney? I mean, that's a great fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, a yeah. very it's valid fear. <laughs> yeah. Courtney's basically being tortured. You have nothing to fear but torture. 
That is not a fear you need to face or overcome. Just just keep on avoiding being tortured. Okay, Ben, Emily, did any of these episodes hit on any of your fears? Yeah, well, uh, there's, yes. The thought of losing Pugsley. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That, Jeremy and Alicia, you, you know I don't. I don't do well with animal death. Yeah. Yeah. That was very upsetting. And also the 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 episode with Harmony, Harm Many, where there was that fear of being judged. And I there's a really good point, Zuri, because it's not I mean, Dorma's a fear of being judged, but so does Barney, but in a kind of a different way. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, this is in a different way pertaining to work life balances and the terror that is corporate culture but being forced to socialize outside the office yes uh, <laughs> well one is like being accepted by your family and mm-hmm. judged by the people that are close to you and others is just strangers in general judging you i just yeah. want to know are they getting paid for that beach day they, i want to know if they're getting paid the at clock. all those should be billable hours. Who is paying them? That's yeah, what that's I want to question. Know. Great question. Well, Who arranged harm many to right. come and harm them? Well, I want to know who's paying them because, like, the owner of Phoenix Park is dead. So who is paying them? Because she's not paying them because she's ghost <laughs> and dead. And she doesn't have any money, apparently. And then yeah. Courtney is the one who hired them. Yeah. And but Courtney is a literal demon. Which, yeah, yeah, which the other characters just assume is like a red, a horned person. Yeah, well, you know what Pauline Phoenix always says: if you see something paranormal, like yeah, nobody yourselves, has <laughs> much of a reaction. <laughs> yep, to anything going on. Which I love this show. This is a very enjoyable show. But I guess if you drill it down to as hard as we do in here. And maybe it all gets fixed. Like, I know there's lore and mythologies and mysteries, but that there is that little bit of like, wait, how is this all working? Yeah. This is just like being on just like, you know, it takes you out of it a little bit. You shouldn't think about it too much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I feel like infernal powers. Courtney wouldn't be the worst demon I've worked for. So, right. Like, you know, some payroll somewhere, especially amusement park payroll, I'm sure is all tied up with the, the powers of demons and demon kind. So whether it be automated or just some, I mean, underworld horror managing everybody's bank account, which I think isn't very things, far from reality. Other things that scared me in these episodes, I'm very scared for Barney's health subsisting off an entire amusement park food diet yeah yeah Yeah. that's pretty gross that breakfast popcorn did not like i am concerned i think he learns to cook eventually i mean there's a lot of things that we don't see but i think that you know i'm worried about there being an open flame in that haunted house (laughs) there's no way there's a working sprinkler system i think it's kind of weird how after he used the fountain as a bath, oh. a bath just showed up. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. We don't worry about Barney's life. It's from Norma's perspective. Mm. We don't. We don't care about Barney. What? <laughs> I care about Barney. I care about Barney. We should care about Barney, but I don't know if we do. <laughs> oh, you want to know the funniest episode to me? Hmm. The one where Pugsley just makes like 
a lot about himself. And then it's like a bunch of Pugsley just. Oh, the one where he where Pugsley is like Barney, 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 Barney yeah. all over the place. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. Ladies, Zuri, Amara, if let's say somebody likes Dead End Paranormal Park as a certified kid, what else would you recommend them reading, watching, playing if they are fans of this show? What? (laughs) If people like this, what else should they watch or read? Amara, you said something very interesting when I asked you this earlier. What do you think people should read if they like this show? So there's this show was based off of a book. So I think maybe they should try buying that. But I haven't really read it myself. I just know that it's based off the, the book. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. I bet it's to like it. Because I, I it has, so. Hold on, Mom. Yeah. So you read something in your journal and I, I want to show them. What? Well, can Zuri answer the question first before you go showing my journal? Sure. Um, My suggestions are probably more for my age and up or like a mature younger kid. So probably parental supervision. But I was thinking a series of unfortunate events has that the funny and scary and ironic bit. The books or the TV show? Um, I haven't read the books, but I think the TV show on Netflix reminds me a lot of Dead End. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say Hilda, but we can... Well, it's not exactly scary. The trolls? I don't Actually, think they're the scary. trolls are just really cute. But that's exactly what it turns out about Courtney. She's a demon who's actually just cute. Anyway, Amara wanted to show you my sketches that I did. Love them. I yeah. love them. I also I sketched Courtney while I was watching You're a puppy. the show as well. Oh, good. What kind of puppy? What breed? So every, everybody sketches. Aww. That's cute. All right, ladies. Good night. I love you. Good night. Love you. Good night. Thank you for joining us. All right. Love you. So sweet. Yes. All right. So they are headed off upstairs. Night, night, baby. And I did. Night, night, Barney. (laughs) Amara didn't mention it, but that was one of her favorite parts is like at the end of the first episode where he tells Pugsley good night and Pugsley just goes night, night, Barney. So tonight we're talking about Dead End Paranormal Park, the 2022 series uh, that has two seasons currently on Netflix. It is created by Hamish Steele. I mean, it's got a wonderful cast in this show. We've got Zach Barak, Cody Cavita, Emily Osmond, Alex Brightman, and Miss Coco Peru as Pauline Phoenix. So each episode is about 26 to 27 minutes long. It is for ages seven plus. But it is kid horror, I would say. So I thought that it would be perfect to talk about in August when we're thinking about getting ready to go back to school and like, what can we watch on TV? What are some small bites that we can have? So I figured what I'd do is kind of give a short recap of each episode and then give us some time to talk about the episodes and then recap and then debrief instead of doing all three episodes all the way across. I'm going to try to not give too many future spoilers, but first let me ask, like, have you watched the, did you watch the rest of the series or did you stop at three episodes? I was able to watch the first five episodes in time for this podcast tonight. I was able to finish season one. So I had actually watched up to episode nine, which I think is the musical episode. Okay. Um, And then... I rewatched it because I I tried to keep my get myself back on track with the with the meta plot 
And then I also rewatched the first three episodes just to kind of get myself reacquainted because I watched it back, I think it was earlier this year when I watched it first. So I have no idea what happens in season two, but I, I do know what happens at the end of season one, which was pretty interesting, but I won't spoil anything at this point. So really, Emily did a much better job preparing this week than I did. <laughs> it's the message. I had seen more of this show initially. Like I'd see the watched it extracurricularly. I can't remember who brought it to me, but it was one of my younger friends who was uh, tangentially associated with my class and, and artist community. So I will say that Barney, the character, looks like and has a similar life circumstance as a bunch of my students. So it was see, I see multiple really Barneys every flame con Less. not intentional cosplays just... <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah unintentional cosplay <laughs> yeah cosplay in spirit yeah whoever designed the barney character really really knew who they were discussing jeremy yeah i i agree um i have seen all of both seasons uh with you and and the girls i forgot going back to these first three episodes how much stuff they say and lay out in those first couple episodes because there's you know there's a lot of stuff that'll be picked up on later but like we get a lot of information about both you know both barney and norma courtney i think they deal with a lot more in the second season but yeah. uh yeah we get a lot of stuff about both of them right off the bat i mean i think the first episode is a little more barney's episode and the third episode is a little more norma's and then Pugsley gets a lot of the second episode. Yeah, Pugsley. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting to me. There's there's so much stuff that they sort of say off the bat and gets followed up on in those episodes. And a couple is... of places where I was like, hey, is this a metaphor for this? No, that's reductive. Oh, no, the show just said it's a metaphor for this. Got it. <laughs> I mean, this is a show that uses a talking dog as a metaphor for being trans. And it works. And it works so it works. well. Yeah, I. that was the one thing I really, really wanted to talk about and discuss with y'all is the acceptance of your dog's ability to talk being some sort of allegory to the acceptance of, or, or your family's acceptance of transition. I'm going to um, hold off on that till the second episode since that's what basically most that of the is, second Yeah, that's is exactly about. what that is the second episode is that's, about. Yeah, that's the second episode. But the first episode um, does start with Barney. Like their yes. character, other than the horror scene that kind of sets the tone. Starts yes. with Barney using enough hairspray to put a new hone, like hole in the ozone layer. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely wanted to talk about that. All right, so let's dive in. <laughs> So episode one starts off with a legitimate horror house. We start off with a woman running into this haunted looking house and she's like, ah, ah, and she does the whole horror thing that everyone does where they run upstairs in a house and then they fall on the stairs and then they like keep running and she gets to like this hall of mirrors and she's like oh let me just fix my little blonde wig i look nice and then a horrible like figure like shows up and the lights flash off and that's how we start the show and as amara said like that is the part that legitimately frightens her like scary thing in mirrors which i get i that would that would get it's it's pretty it's pretty creepy so then we cut to barney gutman who is our main protagonist now i couldn't tell if barney was 
spraying his hair blue, like using um, hairspray dye or just spraying his hair so that it would hold its cool upward shape. But either way, Barney is spraying his hair. Barney is Jewish and trans and loves his dog Pugsley. These are the things that we find out by the end of the first episode. And he also loves dinosaurs and wrestling. Who doesn't love dinosaurs? Yeah, very relatable. <laughs> also, I I hope it's hairspray because otherwise that is just like that's Halloween. a lot of blue dye to go through. Yeah, yeah. like that is just like ho- like there's no legit spray dye. Like that is that fucking Halloween hair dye. Yeah, we have some that like I would use to spray my hair blue and green for game days at school, you know? Yeah, yeah. like that's yeah. nothing is, that like... stays like it the red will look cool but it gets on everything else and then your move your bathroom looks like a horror movie. Yeah. So for the sake of like the laundry machine, I hope it's just hairspray. <laughs> same. Same. Well there's a lot of hair I mean like he seems to go through that I'm like, being such an adult an about it. Like, Barney, did you pack? You're running away. Did you pack a change of clothes? Are you you eating your fruit, your vegetables? Do you have enough hairspray? <laughs> Barney, did you? You did not plan this, like, running away. Do you Barney have a toothbrush? Barney did not plan this running away well. So we also open on the song is from Caveman. And I cannot remember the name of the song right now. But... Is it Caveman or Cave Town? Oh, man. I think you had a bunch of uh, Cave Town tabs open in here. That's it. So <laughs> the song that is playing is from Cave Town, and Cave Town is also a trans artist. So they picked a music by a trans artist oh, that's awesome. um, to put into the show. So I think that's like another little hint about Barney's identity. There is a human wanted for job flyer that is on the wall <laughs> that is signed by Courtney. And I love the aesthetics of this human wanted for job because it totally looks like Courtney got into like like word perfect or like MS Paint and like yeah. was doing like word art that basically starts with hello fellow humans. And like one of the images on it is like a business image and it even has a watermark on it because clearly Courtney has just stolen it from the internet somewhere. Yeah. Uh, to put up this flyer. I want to know what Kinko's Courtney is going to to get these printed. Like, there's a whole lot of stuff provided at this park. I mean, the park has concession stands and souvenir shops and things like that. Like, I don't know if someone's made the survival reality show of, like, can you live on everything that's available at Disneyland? Terrifying. (laughs) But... I'd watch it. (laughs) Yeah. I believe entire societies are underneath Disneyland. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Pauline's theme park is basically Dollywood, right? It's like a Dollywood parody. You yeah. know, Pauline is this buxom blonde. It's like if Dolly Parton was also Elvira. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> she has movies and music and television shows. And it's got, I think, five um, zones that are all based on different aspects of her career. And the other thing I love about Pauline phoenix is the fact that she's got this really country accent except for occasionally when it slips and she says things like you all and right next to darlin and it's like oh my god like pauline everything about pauline is like it's the whole atlantic coastline her yeah (laughs) she's like moira rose just like this indistinguishable accent that you could tell is he put on but what is it 
What it, what did she put on? We don't know. The question exactly I, I had the... about Pauline throughout is, is Pauline supposed to be a drag queen or is she just supposed to be the sort of real woman that drag queens like to base their their personas off of? Because she is giving heavy drag queen vibes and she is absolutely she is voiced by a drag queen. And I, I, I could never figure out which it was supposed to be. But is the character a drag queen? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, was, I wondered that sure. as well. But what I think later at, at another episode, we learned that Pauline's been working in like television since she was a baby. <laughs> she looks yeah. the exact same as a baby. So I think that's like. Yeah, I think especially considering where they the directions that they go with the character. You know, I don't I don't mind having a a drag queen character that is as over the top as she is. But I do I think honestly, I think she is what the the latter of what Jeremy said. She is a kind of character like a Fay Ray caricature woman who is like say I should say actress. A caricature There's- actress that a lot of drag queens emulate because of the size of her hair. <laughs> I mean, I do think like if would at not the be beginning, out of place in a far side cartoon that hair. no, yeah, yeah, or like in Mars Attacks, I'm hit with the yes. kids making far side jokes. Yeah, oh. kids, kids love far side. The the at first I was really hopeful that she was a drag queen because I was too. That's the, those vibes, but her character is a lot more Hollywood. Yes, not to say that drag queens aren't. But they are in a different way. Yeah, um, she's she's a lot more old school Hollywood than. I mean, I got a very classic gay icon. Yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah. From her, you know, in that. So you think she's just Jennifer Coolidge? Screaming. Yeah, or uh, I, I was, but you know, just in that kind of like Liza Minnelli way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Barney is getting ready for this job interview, and nearby. Norma Khan is also in a room in her bedroom is full of Pauline Phoenix memorabilia as well as that same flyer. So Barney's room has like dinosaur poster, wrestling poster. Norma's room is just head to toe Pauline Phoenix. Like this is her obsession. Does name count as something scary if it brings up memories of being <laughs> snapped at and told, why can't you just be a normal con? Uh- <laughs> or is that a little too yeah. specific to me? I think we can get specific if you're cool Aww, with specific. A normal con. You're a great con. You're an ideal <laughs> con. Yeah. Aww, you're an icon. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. That's really good. I'm mad that I didn't think of that. <laughs> okay, so Barney identifies his fear of confrontation, like when talking to his mother about like, what is my biggest personality flaw as he's preparing for this interview? And then immediately turns around and lets his mom know that he won't be confronting Grammy Graham, who's coming over for cheeseless mac and cheese because Grammy Graham is not ready to accept Barney. And that's kind of the first hint that we get that Barney is trans. I, I kind of feel like even beyond that, cheeseless mac and cheese is a valid enough reason to run away from home. <laughs> he he wanted the cheeseless mac and cheese. Yeah, his mom Barney, said it's his favorite. Is Barney vegan? Like, is Barney, yeah, is vegan? Barney vegan? I was wondering that too. I was like, wait, is Barney vegan? And like later, he has a nightmare about having to eat brisket. So I was like, maybe, but I don't know. 
which makes uh, living at that theme park even that's just another layer Nicier. of density. Is, yeah. is popcorn vegan? I mean, uh, yes, until you add butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can make popcorn with olive oil. Yeah, you can make, I've made popcorn with sunflower oil and. Uh, is chicken parm vegan? And everybody says that like nutritional yeast tastes cheesy. That's a lie that vegans tell. Okay, it doesn't. They just haven't eaten cheese in a while because I was like, okay, let me buy this big bucket of nutritional yeast and sprinkle it on my popcorn. And I was not happy with the result. Anyway. Can we talk a moment for about Norma's mom, Swati? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because while Barney's mom is like passively supportive, like, oh, you're going out for that job. It'll probably be fine. Oh, you know, Grammy Graham isn't ready to accept your new identity, you know, she's kind of reticent. Norma's mom is like the most supportive. <laughs> the most yeah. supportive. So supportive. Too supportive. Norma's mom is here to like chew bubble gum and be supportive, and she's all <laughs> out of gum. Right. Yeah. It, it was interesting to me when Alicia and I were watching this. I was talking about what sort of like a reversal of the stereotype of the South Asian mom she is. Because, you know, she's she's fine with her kid living with her that's not the problem she just wants her to go out there and make friends and you know be social i'm glad i watched far enough to get to the christmas in july to establish that this takes place during the summer because i also had the thought of wait did barney just drop out of school is barney now just a straight up teenage runaway who dropped out of school so i believe that in the books barney is 20 and I think that canonically, he's supposed to be 17 when the show starts and yeah, 18 in season two. Okay, because I was getting real like 16 vibes from the I cast. was too. So skipping ahead a little bit, we're introduced to Norma's paralyzing fear of people when Barney and her both get on the same bus and she becomes convinced that, oh, I forgot. Barney leaves out of the house and Pugsley comes with him and like makes a very sad face until Barney agrees to take Pugsley with him. Oh, Pugsley. So, yeah, so Barney and Pugsley are on the bus to go to this interview. And Norma is like, oh, I'm sitting next to this weird guy who's talking to himself. And Barney says, you're the only one talking to yourself, Norma. And Norma flips out and goes, how did you know my name? And Barney was like, ah, we were lab partners. I was, yeah. we've gone to school together. You live down the street. And she's like, I'm bad with names and faces. And I think that is one of the reasons why... Barney feels comfortable with her because Barney can literally be himself with her because she does not remember Barney at all from school because yeah. she was not like paying attention to who he was or his past identity. So she was like, oh, okay. They'll deal with this a lot more in episode three and then in, in future episodes down the line. But like Norma is a really interesting intentional depiction of somebody with autism because like she hyper fixates and she has uh, social anxiety. She doesn't know how to deal with people. And she feels like an autistic character written by an autistic author to me. I yeah. feel like. And she is. Yeah. But how? She felt nothing like the clips of the good doctor that I've seen. <laughs> she didn't oh, have no. any fights with Dr. Han. No, I saw that clip. It was so terrible. One of the most watched shows in America. But she even said something about like, if I don't get this job, you know, what else will I spend the next 15 years hyper fixating on? So like, she's yeah. very clear about that. I loved episode three and the focus on her anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
The Good Doctor has six seasons and has been renewed for a seventh. This really bothers you. We've talked about this multiple times. Bothers me too. I haven't even seen it. So everyone, let's just take a break for a second to talk about Jeremy's bafflement. Absolute bafflement over the fact that perfectly good shows like Grand Crew normal park. Yeah. get canceled after two seasons or The Babysitter's Club on Netflix. I really love that show. While shows that we would never, ever watch and see nothing but people making fun of seem to have six seasons. There like, who are, is floating these? There are so many shows that still keep like network television going that are still some of the most watched shows in the country by sheer virtue of there are still tens of millions of people who, through age or whatever other reason, do not and will not know how streaming works. They know yes. how to turn on the TV, and they know how to flip through 13 channels, and that's as far as they're getting. Mm. So what you get is CSI Crypto Division and CSI Crypto starring Adam Driver is going to be the most watched show in America. Wait, why am I thing? interested in what CSI Crypto Division it's, looks like? Wait, why am I starring Adam, Adam Driver? How could you not be interested? I know, right? Like, I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. <laughs> Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Yeah, no, like, I think it's a testament to just how large and divided our country really is. <laughs> Th- like, don't is- forget how long that like Jag, the show about Navy lawyers doing whatever the fuck Navy lawyers do, was like thirteen they say you seasons. Can't handle the truth. They tell That's- people they don't who even can say that in that show. Not handle the truth. I mean, listen. In between twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, the Good Doctor and the Resident both launched. The Resident has finally, thank God, ended its six seasons. The Good Doctor is still going into seven. Like they both of these shows think- are medical dramas, and both of these shows are objectively bad. Have you watched any of them? Yes. Oh, I haven't. I've watched the first couple episodes of both of those, and that was more than enough for me. You watched The Resident. I, I thought was that the one with with uh, Logan from Gilmore Girls? Yes, that is the one with Logan from oh, Gilmore Girls. I thought Girls that was going, the Good Doctor. No, the Good Doctor is the one with the doctor that has autism. I thought he was just a new character on the one with no, the Gilmore Girls. Saying to me that that's a premise that someone walked into him and was like, "He's a doctor, but hold on, fucking strap in, hold on to your butts. He's autistic." Whoa. And it's like it's Six literally in a movie. It's literally God. a baby step above what if Rain Man was a doctor. <laughs> like it's that close. Doctors upset about this depiction, they should be. There's doctors, and then there's also autistic people. (laughs) So, doctors Um, have been distracted for the last couple of years. There are doctors who are autistic people, I'm sure. I know, I I, absolutely that Venn. Yeah, there's got to be a center of that Venn diagram. All right, so we meet Barney, we meet Norma, we meet Pugsley, and we also then eventually meet Courtney as they finally get to this spooky looking theme park. I mean, Pauline Phoenix's theme park looks like it's abandoned and falling apart. But later we discover that lots of people go there and it's just all theme parks are creepy after hours. I I, I guess. think it's I mean, just this one part of it that's closed now. Okay. Uh, like the, the dead end part. The part where the yeah. girl disappeared. <laughs> dead. Yeah. So we meet Courtney and Courtney's a little red demon uh, looking to trap humans as offerings to be a new casing. Voiced uh, by for... Hannah Montana's Emily Osmond, I just have to say. Okay, a see, there demon. was there were some threads, and now they're connected. Continue. 
All right. So we also meet Courtney, who's a little red demon who is looking to trap humans to become offerings uh, to be a new like meat casing for uh, the demon king. Lucas. I keep wanting to say Telemachus, who is Odysseus and Penelope's son. And Telemachus just keeps like trying to come out of my mouth, but it's Temelucus. Uh, it's clearly a trap. She has clearly lured them there. And she's about to put Temelucus inside of Barney when Pugsley gathers all of his little pug courage and jumps in to save Barney and gets hit with the blast. And I'm sure that Ben, this like. Well, I really gotcha. did not like the, even a little bit of death fake out. But where I then thought this show was going was, oh, the devil's trapped in this dog body and we got a Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy type situation going on. Right. Not yeah. not, not the case. Well, I like that there's cleverness. Because, yeah, I, I feel like that it's a little too easy sometimes for this show to veer into. And then Pugsley uses his powers to save the day. So I like when they are a little more clever, like how figuring out the photo can get uh, Patroculus out of Pugsley and episode three where they, I don't know, weaponize anxiety? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, (laughs) Tama Lucas gets in Pugsley. They spend the rest of the episode trying to get him out. And he has said something like no photographs and they end up using a giant, like a ride photograph, like auto photograph. Yes. To take a picture of him, but there's a tiny little piece of Temelucas still stuck in Barney. In Pugsley. Yeah, not in Barney, in Pugsley. That's what we find out when Barney says, good night, Pugsley. And then Pugsley goes, night, night, Barney, in the sweetest, cutest little voice of Alex Brightman. This is also the episode where when Pugsley like, is possessed and flies off to go find a throne and Barney runs after him, Norma calls her mom and she's like, I, she doesn't care about Pugsley. She's like, he's a dog. We could just leave. But she does care about the park. Yes. And she does care about what Pauline Phoenix is going to think. So she goes off to try and save the day. Norma's writing is nuanced in a way that I was not expecting from a show for, you know, TVY7. Also, there is a point where Tema Lucas is fully possessing Pugsley. And he asks, essentially, take me to your king. <laughs> and they have to sort of split some hairs being like, we're not a monarchy. And he clarifies, take me to your leader so I can eat him. And immediately Norma's like, oh, yeah, there's a White House over there. <laughs> Please. She's like, that's fine. It's right, yeah. it's right yeah. down that way. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is like, it's it's kind of a throwaway line, but I think it's also very powerful. So, you know. Yeah, other jokes that like find their way into here. So Pugsley, as Tim Lucas, can fly. And to escape him, they jump in a log flume ride. And Pugsley flies after them and jumps into the next log flume. Like instead of just flying to where they are, he jumps in the next one so that they're very slowly like he's like throwing magic at them while they're both in separate logs floating down the river. That made me laugh. Courtney ends up offering them a job she says it's to protect her from other demons and they need to be security but really it's because she wants to keep pugsley close because she feels like she can figure out a way to free Temelucas, and if she does that then he will help her get home we find out that she's been banished from her hell realm and that is her main motivation so 
at this point, that's the end of episode one. Are there any other observations that you wanted to make before I jump into episode two? Slenderman makes a cameo. And what's up with yeah. the paper over his face? That really disturbs I me. That like, was the picture be a of dad. Relevant monster. Yeah, the, I feel like the daddy picture over his face it's like a kid's drawing of like me and daddy and i think that that's a, a reference to deep slenderman lore and i know we did marble hornets about a year ago i you know i collect this information for the podcast and then i regurgitate it for the podcast and now i can't remember I think it's more that it doesn't anything. do anything with the slender man it's just there and then it's not there he comes back okay. yeah the slender man gets gets got for trying to take the photo, which alerts Norma to the photo weakness, whereas the, the photograph right, takes the soul. Right, right, right. And I do want to know whose phone that is. I want to know who is, like, calling him, because doesn't yeah, have his phone. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, maybe it's like a, it's a hell phone. Demon yeah, realm well, phone. Yeah, that's true. Either that or it's a phone that belongs got, to one of the They, uh, they have the game shows. Employees. Yeah. He did won they... it in a game show. Perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Slenderman was the first demon to go because that is the closest direct reference to a copyrighted design that I see there. How can you copyright Slenderman? Slenderman is the spontaneous product of the Something Awful forums. I know Slenderman is, 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 belongs to us all. Slenderman belongs to the world. But I'm sure somebody has. It's like copywriting vampires. You can't fucking copyright vampires. I have two words for you, Vanta Black. If you can copyright a color, you can copyright a Slenderman. I was I... just imagining the woman named Vanta Black who had written vampire novels and was copywriting. <laughs> Why doesn't I was that like, exist? Who is Vanta oh, Black and what did she do? Vanta Black has been. Vanta Black is the name of at least 30 drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> Artistic drag queens. I w hope they can, yeah. Also I'm pretty sure you could you could use the name Vanta Black for a character because that does not have any uh copyright crossover with naming a color. Yeah, and as long as it doesn't yeah, you could just change the spelling. I wish that someone would make a theme park based on Trixie and Katya, formerly of RuPaul's Drag Race. I know that RuPaul the individual is problematic. I know that it is no, nowhere near as wholesome as a TVY7 show would be, but if I was Norma, it would be Katya instead of Pauline Phoenix that I was I'd be you, obsessed with. I was like, I think you could have a divine theme park, right? Probably, but again, like there's enough, like divine wasn't enough stuff to have, like, or maybe just a John Waters theme park. That's a different, that's a different thing. I think uh, yeah, Pauline is pretty campy. Yeah, Pauline It'd definitely it, not be a Y seven John Waters theme park. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. That's I don't know. Oh man, now just imagine that. Like, oh, we're going to the like we're going to the Waters Park. You mean the water park? <laughs> I said what I said. That's so. Mom, fun. I'm going on the pink flamingo ride. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I was flamingo lazy river. Actually, I'm not going to go down that that lazy river. I was really worried river. about where that lazy river was going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast. They were talking about a water park for adults and how they want it to be not like an adult water park. Right. Well, I was trying to say that to Jeremy one day. I was like, I wish that there was a playground for adults, but there's no way to name it. 
Yeah, because you can't say it's for adults because then people are like, oh, it's oh, after dark. It's an adult playground. It's like, no, it's a playground with sure. equipment that is grown person sized. So yeah, that's what I, I realized. Get on swings and slides. And it's not a fucking playground, not a fucking Unfo- playground. I was yes. going to say, unfortunately, I, I feel like the closest we have is CrossFit. <laughs> They got the bars. Yeah, yeah. That that is like borderline. I feel like that's borderline BDSM because I see those CrossFit people like dragging chains around, and I'm like, you know, Jeremy, did you drag chains when you were doing? I don't think I dragged chains. I did. did you whip uh, the warrior ropes. I did whip the ropes, and yeah. uh, so I whipped I flipped ropes. the tire around quite a bit. It's like I, that Bob's Burgers episode where Bob gets to like <laughs> ropes and he's like, this is so much more tiring than I thought it would be. Yeah. No, that one like, sneaks I up can't. on you at first. You're like, oh, this is easy. And then after doing it for you know 30 seconds, you're like, holy shit, what happened to my arms? Why don't they work anymore? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so, oh, and I feel the way that Barney feels about Pugsley, I feel very, very deeply in my heart. I felt that about every cat I've ever owned. But my my all my cats already had demons in them, so we can't have both. All right, you can't have a, a a a family member who is an animal who talks to you, who is also possessed by a demon. So my cats were always like that. Anyway, <laughs> episode episode two, episode two is called episode the tunnel. Two. So episode two is called the tunnel. We open on small Norma's core memory of a scary encounter with a mascot named Buster Scruffs. Buster, in her memories, like leans over, is like, "Come on, little girl." <laughs> he's just got the he's got the funniest voice. He's like, "Come on, come on, little girl, come on." So she's supposed to be jumping up in his lap to take a picture, and that episode hit on some things that I'm afraid of. I'm not like terrified of mascots, but I just do not prefer them. Mascots are, I can see why a park would retire the mascot, mm-hmm. the, person, the mascot costume, especially at our age of those five nights of Freddy. Yeah, I, I guess Norma's probably six or seven there. Well, who's ever had any kind of mascot come in where they didn't turn into some sort of murder zombie robot army? And of course, these turn into zombie West world, army. itchy and scratchy world. world. <laughs> Westworld again. <laughs> the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park count. If, if, I mean, they're not in costume. Really, the entire bibliography of Michael Crichton. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Crichton was fascinated with exploring the theme of the science gone too far, but for some reason could only explore that theme in the very specific plot line of we opened an amusement park. There's also way these monkeys are way too smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Wait, these monkeys are these psychopaths. dinosaurs and these monkeys are too smart. <laughs> yeah, and the Andromeda strain. I mean, the the place where they were studying the Andromeda strain was that not strain? about opening up a theme park dedicated to viruses? <laughs> I mean, technically, the 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 multi leveled like facility that they studied the Andromeda strain in was very gimmicky and other than the weird like sanitary procedure that burns off well, the top layer of your skin so as not to contaminate the facility other than that that sounds like a great ride honestly I mean I, that's what happens when I go outside oh um it's okay 
Uh, we open on Small Norma's core memory of a scary encounter with mascot Buster Scruffs. She's anxious around large crowds of people and she's freaking out about getting up there to take a picture when his head falls off and his eyeball pops out. And the whole, whole crowd is horrified and thinks that surely this little girl is going to be horrified as well. And instead, Norma just laughs and poses with the head. And that's the picture that she has of her at Phoenix's Park. So present day. The gang is going through a box of missing employees' possessions, and they come across Jennifer's little badge. We meet the rest of the staff, who we find out in a later episode Norma quickly renames because she can't be bothered to remember anyone's name. Barney falls in immediately in immediate love with Logan Wynn, aka Logs, and ignores Pugsley thereby covering up Pugsley's new identity as a talking dog. He tells Pugsley to keep it chill. He doesn't want everybody to know. He hides Pugsley away. And there are parallels yes. between his situation and Pugsley's. Um, Did we mention Jennifer the Clark? Name. I'm with, I'm with Badia. If someone gives you the nickname Death Slide, just roll with yeah, it. So oh, yeah, so Badia is uh, one of the characters. She's one of the other employees. This theme park has a very diverse staff and also the attendees at the theme park. Very diverse as well. We see different heights, different body sizes, different yes. couple pairings. And so the park is wonderfully inclusive. It's what I guess Disney World aims to be. Uh, we learned that the old mascots were discontinued when Norma takes over the staff orientation because she already knows everything that there is to know about the park. And I got to say, like, I was totally feeling Norma here because one of the things that I did in college was because I grew up in Chapel Hill and I love to read things about places. Mm -hmm. When we had orientation, I took all of my new friends that I met at orientation on a Alicia guided tour of the campus and that is how I made all of my new friends and I am still friends with them to this day that's beautiful thank you friends who tour together stay together yeah we smore that together, didn't rhyme yeah and Jeremy also like recently when we were in Chicago I was like I want to take a tour of the architecture of Chicago and he was like why you're going to read everything that there is to know about everything you're about to see before you go on the tour and i do I, i'm not ashamed of it i like to study before i tour something and go to places most I like people to study before they at. take a test you study before you take a tour exactly yeah well this is you're the person that we want to travel with i'm a great travel companion i believe For it this reason i believe it i mean i just kind of wander and be like oh that's neat and take a photo like but it's really cool to have the interest and the fixation is, I should say the enthusiasm is contagious. And that actually brings me to how nuanced Norma's interaction with people is because we see that she has anxiety, but she can take this leadership role because it is within her hyperfixation. Yes. And also her hyperfixation includes, I guess, heads falling off. So if people could just have the decency to like have their heads fall off, Norma would be a lot more comfortable. Please and thank you. Well, <laughs> her her reaction to the head falling off, I feel is a lot more of a nuanced trauma reaction when you're a little kid, you know, because she had like, you know, all of the worst things were going on here. But she was just 
like it was so far beyond for a little kid that she was just like sure this whatever is ridiculous yeah, yeah. Like, this has to be ridiculous yeah and that actually leads into some of her struggles in the following episode mm-hmm. but at first with as i was just sort of getting into the show i was really confused as to what they were trying to say because it was not as reductive mm-hmm. as other representations of people with anxiety like you have yeah. characters that are kind of like c3po kind of characters that are that are very anxious and they're presented as either cowardly or uptight or whatever, but that's not Mm-mm. that's not what she is, and that's not what being neurodivergent is either. Right. There's a lot more nuance to it, and it's not predictable, and it's not as straightforward as like someone has anxiety, so they can't go out in the world and do things. You know, right. I felt that was a really interesting choice with Norma. And it also wasn't one of those, like, you know, what did we learn today kind of talking mm-hmm. down situations that you see in a lot of, of TVY7 shows. Her uh, traumas and her her difficulties build her character's strengths. And it's not that yes. she has to accept that or, you know, that's that's a burden for her. It's just a different way that she interacts with people. Absolutely. So they get on this monorail Norma's leading the tour. Like you said, Norma has assumed this leadership role, even though she is anxious about meeting new people. She is not anxious about Pauline Phoenix. Day off her death slide. (laughs) Yeah. She is hanging out with all of the ancillary characters at this point. And Barney is on the monorail with Pugsley. Barney is obsessed with logs and doesn't pay attention to Pugsley saying those doors are really scary on the monorail. They're worse than like the hand dryer at the pizza place or something like that. (laughs) And so when it comes time to exit the monorail, Barney's not paying attention. Pugsley finally gets up the courage to step off and the doors close and Pugsley is trapped. So Pugsley ends up in the under part with a bunch of discarded mascots and um, they come to life. Yeah, they they come to life and they're kind of like zombie-ish and they're going, meet. And so Pugsley decides to help them escape the underpark because they've been cast aside like him. So they get out. Barney realizes that he's lost Pugsley and goes looking for Pugsley and finds Pugsley rounding up these zombie mascots and (laughs) tells Pugsley that he needs to get back here now because he doesn't know what he's doing. And Pugsley's like, no, I'm helping them. I'm going to help them get what they want. (laughs) Barney says, bad Pugsley. Pugsley says, me, bad, bad Barney. And they, oh, I love that. I love that. Bad Barney, bad bad Pugsley. (laughs) Yeah, like they have this whole back and forth. But really, what they discover is is that maybe Pugsley should have listened because the mascots wreak havoc. This show Um, really exploring. The double-edged sword of wishing that your pet could talk. Yeah, exactly. Yes. The, ma- the mascots wreak havoc because they're going around saying meat all over the place and people are freaking out. <laughs> and Barney realizes that he should have listened to Pugsley because basically he's turned into Grammy Graham. Like he he says, why can't you just be my Pugsley? Why can't you be the Pugsley that I love, that I felt, you know, that I felt Why can't you be like And then you he's like, to. oh, snap. Yeah. I've become Grammy Graham. <laughs> again talking dogs as a metaphor for trans identity shouldn't work but it does but it yeah. does it does well i yeah. think i think it also but works do. 
on a lot of levels of like, you know, as a parent, I saw this reflected as I often feel like I am becoming my mother or my grandmother and hearing myself say things to my kids that I swore I would never say, you know? Yeah. I love that Pugsley also says, I didn't want to create panic across the park because that's just such a sweet thing to say. Turns out that they were saying meet and greet. Like the mascots didn't want to eat people. They just wanted to give hugs and yes. sign autographs. So Norma saves the day by having a 1980s era mascot parade and all of these ugly mascots go. Just has the music stirred on her phone because yep. of course yes. she does. <laughs> the, the park attendees are like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's fine. Barney says he wants Pugsley to be able to live his life without apology. And I think one of the things that I find interesting about Barney's dynamic with his mom is that he's not not living at home because he got kicked out. They're not hostile. They're just not supportive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not like civil rights Disney movie racism. Yes. Bigotry. They are the moderates. They are the moderates that Martin Luther King warned us about. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they think that they're being, she thinks she's being supportive and she's saying, I love you. And she's calling him Barney and she's using the right pronouns, but she's not backing him up. And so Barney decides that that's not a space that he can be comfortable in anymore. Yeah. I think the situation with Pugsley maybe helps him understand some of the struggle that his family might be having, but also even bigger, I think it puts on display for anybody watching this show or any kids watching, no. any adults watching this show, that it's it... not enough to just tolerate yeah. somebody else's identity. Like that needs to come with acceptance. And that means work. That doesn't just mean that you can just. This is where, you know, we talked about some of the stuff with the world building. I think comes back because, oh, your dog now talks. And if people knew your dog talks, they'd be like, what the fuck? And yeah. like, so you have to keep it a secret. Like, that's a very standard status quo setup for yes. a kid's show. So, again, and all the themes at Hard One, that's subverted and the metaphor works. But then, like we said, it does kind of go back to this world building issue of being like, oh, so. I guess everyone is aware of talking dog. Is anyone going to have a reaction to that? No. Again, okay. You see something paranormal? Just keep it to yourself, darling. I know, but yeah. I, I I don't think that one line is quite enough for just how. I think Bodius says it later too. When they were like, "Yeah, what were those zombie mascots?" and Bodius like, "Keep it to yourself, darling." Yes, she does. Yeah, she basically like repeats that. I kind of like that about a lot of new shows that have that going on where there's like magic stuff going on where people are just like all right we could spend a lot of time thinking about like yeah what does it mean to society that there's a talking dog now when we can just have a story with these characters and i can totally understand being like wait hold on a minute we have it there's a talking dog also there's a demon girl right yeah he like walks like this I love yeah. Pugsley walking up. I love Pugsley. Yes. Like Pugsley's little, walk is wonderful. His cute little his little fez. I love Pugsley. Yeah, everything about Pugsley. And then if you like, 
later on we're going to see inside Barney's house, but there is the picture on the wall of Pugsley in a top hat and a bow tie. And yeah, it's just darling. Jeremy, what did you think about this episode? It was it was a funny one to me because as we were watching it, there was a point where I, I think I said this to you as we were watching it that I was like, I was thinking early on in this episode, oh, is the talking dog thing a metaphor for transition? And then I was like, I can't say that out loud. That sounds terrible. And then like the show <laughs> said it out loud and I was like, oh, yes. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> oh you do mean that. Okay. I thought it was really interesting. I, I liked the sort of like exploration of the you know booky mascots and everything I, I think it sort of also establishes the stuff that'll that i think is important about norma as a character with her anxieties because she she does have social anxiety she is anxious about what a lot of people would consider normal daily stuff but you know the, the thing with the mascot like the head falling off the thing that should be scary doesn't scare her like she's not afraid of scary stuff she likes horror stuff that's part of like her fixation with Pauline and with this park it's like that stuff is not a problem for her and I think that you know becomes very important in the next episode it's the everyday stuff the social stuff that is scary and is a problem for her I like one thing I really like in this episode especially being the second episode is I feel like it makes really good use of the amusement park setting you know you got monorail tours like zombie mascot costumes is a very specific thing and a wonderful concept that you could only do in this amusement park setting. B, I know you've said before that like Simpsons is ingrained like in your brain. When you saw the monorail, did you sing the monorail song from the Simpsons? Because Oh, absolutely. 100%. I definitely was like monorail, monorail. Monorail. <laughs> Look, there's no way. There's like you know, you know like you're you're in a particular group of people like you know that you can communicate a certain way with a particular group of people when you say monorail or you hear the word monorail i'm looking it up i'm like does this go monorail does this show take place in ogdenville or north haverbrook (laughs) (laughs) maybe possibly (laughs) that's a bit of a deeper cut nice thank you nice yeah no whenever i guess starring like a boss it's so random. It's so random. Back when the Simpsons. Did I tell you I just found out that Next Generation and the like the last two original series movies like took overlapped? Right. I did not realize that. I know it's so. But Leonard Nimoy is on Next Generation. Yeah, he and yes. um, uh, James Doohan as well. Like, there's an yeah. episode with yes. James Doohan, and I'm, I was like, what the hell? And One like, of my favorites. I get now yeah. why Who's a Better Captain, Kirk or Picard, was such a pertinent thing in the late 80s when they were both on screen at the same time doing yeah. that and stuff. That makes more sense now. Picard is better, by the way. I just want Oh, 100%. Everything. You know, some kids had Jesus, I had Picard. And I have seven. Captain of the Enterprise. Love it. Oh, what do you think sevens go where it is? Sorry, I, when you said seven, I was thinking about the film with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe sevens go where it is what's in the box? I, no, you're talking about that, that's what it is. If we yeah. get that Star Trek legacy, and I know this is a very stupid movie to be making a pun title out of, I hope we get lucky number seven. I, and it's well, all just referencing the Josh Harnett movie. <laughs> not Morgan Freeman 
What's in I, the box, number one? I made a choice to focus on Josh Harnett. <laughs> I appreciate, you know what? That was the better choice to make. It was and... like, I thought about it, and my brain made a choice. And by all accounts, it was the right choice. Speaking of choices, I'm going to, going back to the show. Oh, uh, yeah, oh yeah, 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 shit, right, right, we should do that. The art, the, I mean, I was talking earlier about how whoever designs Barney's character did so from a very experienced place, right? But also the demon designs and those mascot designs. Like, I love the, the sort of Muppety character designs of the show. It's very charming. It's very cute, while also being very inclusive and diverse. But the the demon designs are so nuts. Like Gord, the long one? Yeah, the weird, like, one with them. It's like a worm with a face. And then there's, like, a weird, like cow fetus one and there's all sorts of weird stuff that i'm like this is tv y7 this is tv this is tv y7 <laughs> but then also the mascots like yeah okay five guys to Freddy's is a thing and it has defined what we see from mascots but buster scruffs which come on little girl the ballad of buster scruffs i want to know what what where he comes from is he from the western pauline phoenix is in who knows but there's that time in the 80s where suddenly every mascot character was glam and you know that that's a Garfield and his glam friends oh my god like the glam clam is that, no, was that was that not one of Garfield's farm friends the glam clam it was not I'm that sounds uh, like a, a sexual not. thing was, I was like going was to Garfield and friends and like I remember no Sheldon. this was just in my head just like yeah, Sheldon a clam with like eyes but is also dressed like Liberace I think but that's a, I think that's that A twenty four movie that just came out about the shell. Anyway, talk about horrifying. But yeah, the, the like the glam, there's just like randomly glam mascots and things like that. And like yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's has addressed that with the new game that came out a while ago or whatever. But anyway, there's some really solid art decisions, and I just want to address that. And and you know, as a as an artist and as somebody who who enjoys the process of character design. I appreciated that a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to look up a picture of Buster Scruffs and it's very hard because Google just really wants to show me Buster Scruffs. Yeah. Do we uh, have any more thoughts on episode two or do we want to dive into beach day anxiety fun? I want to talk about Harmony. All right, let's do it. I mean, Harmony. Harmony, yeah. Voiced by Alan Cumming. Incredible get. I did not realize that. Nightcrawler himself. Oh my that god! Little Scottish accent. You didn't yeah. pick it up. Well, his Scottish accent is very subtle until uh, Badia does the impression of him. Yeah, and then you're like, wait a second. Wait. Oh yeah, he, he is like does that's... have a Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah, Badia's impression is really good, right? Yeah. All right. Episode three is called "Trust Me." And I just wrote a couple of like throwaway lines here. Courtney has figured out that Tim Lucas is inside of Pugsley still. And she knows that his hair is probably what brought the mascots to life in the first place. And so she's going to try and teach Pugsley how to do some spells. One of my favorite jokes is so simple here. Courtney, who loves pop culture, she says, you're a wizard, Pugsley. Uh, but she hands him a book and he's like, what's that? And she says... Spell book, Pugsley, Pugsley, and Pugsley goes B O O. I also love that. 
I so love that I, joke a lot. I loved it yeah. so much. It was that was good stuff. Yeah, because just the episode before Barney has been getting Pugsley to say things and trying to make him say like indubitably, which was just hilarious and cute. Yeah, when uh, Courtney hands Pugsley the book, it's you know a thick, thick book. You know, it's like a classic tome, and Pugsley's like, I don't know if I can handle this one. I don't think my comprehension is that advanced. You know, I just finished that one about the the hungry caterpillar and. Had a great twist, that twist ending. ending. Also, fun fact: Demon Lord Corner, Abracadabra, Avada Kedavra. No, Avada Kedavra. Yes, I don't. I don't believe for a second that J.K. did any sort of research. No, and I think it just sounds like Abracadabra, and that was the funny what, thing. How do we make? How, what if Abracadabra was evil? Exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing is that okay. Okay, Abra- I always thought abracadabra meant like abre cadaver, which means like open a dead body. That's how I always thought about it. Okay, it comes from an ancient Greek. Okay. Oh no, she had to take off the little finger gloves. Oh uh, yeah, sorry. The, the abracadabra is first seen in like a magic book in the second century or something like that, and it's it's based on some ancient Greek talismans known as the Abraxas stones. The Abraxas stones refer to a particular being, which is referred to in certain texts as a demon, but as a demon that has access to holy power. And Abracadabra, yeah, he's sort of like in between. And he wards off bad guys. So he's sort of like your demon guard tiger. I don't say dog because dogs are inherently good boys. And this demon is warding off other demons. Abracadabra is also depicted as a talisman that wards off disease and plague. It is also referred to as a demon trap. So when Corby says, don't say Abracadabra by any oh, means. because it's a demon trap. It is. I don't know if they actually did. I feel like they did because I see some references to demons from like... Hieronymus Bosch and stuff like that like just some pretty deep cut demon references without getting too like mixed up with the Paimon and all that kind of stuff the kind of issues that we've had with things like hereditary where they talk about demons and then just stop whether it's a coincidence a funny joke or not about like oh we don't say abracadabra I choose to believe that there is some some involved demon lore here so I appreciated that I appreciated that little nuance and the fact that the demon Courtney is not evil, just chaotic. We yeah, I don't know if she's entirely, I mean, she certainly loves chaos, but what she really wants is just to get home. Like she's and trash. Her actions wants to eat make, trash. And yeah. she wants to eat trash, <laughs> which don't we all? And don't I, we all? Who's going to, who's going to judge Courtney for that? And I also love that she is a girl character and explicitly she is a girl demon. She's not like a, a, a gender fluid demon or anything like that i think in the original series in the books she was a non-binary gender fluid demon but i think for the television show if i remember what i read correctly they wanted to not imply that gender fluid people were demons Demonic? yes yeah you know and i do love a gender fluid That's demon it. but i think in this case it was a good a, a, a good decision and I also really appreciate that you could have the girl character who is of like a trash rat, like 
kind of character, which, you know, is is another decision that a lot of series will pass up on. So, you know, that's that's fun. Thank you, show. Thank you, show. All right. So let's dive into this episode. Uh, This episode is called Trust Me. As I said before, we find out that Norma is bad at making friends. You know, she shows up at beach day, trust exercises day. And her mom, you know, kind of pushes her out of the car, which was like, everybody in this car loves you. Everybody out there needs to know how cool you are. So get out of my car, smooches, go make friends. Love that. (laughs) Barney tells Norma that it's easy to make friends with people if you try to get to know them and you learn people's names. And she's like, why do I need to do that? I've got names for everyone. And that's when (laughs) we find out that she basically calls people whatever job that they are associated with. Like she calls body a death slide. And body is like, hold on a second. No, I- I'm keeping that. <laughs> I really yeah. like that nickname. That's great. Badia also, we find out, is just delightful and oh, is yeah, going to become great. good friends with Norma. She's a wonderful yes. character. Yeah, because she's just fine with allowing Norma to be who Norma is. And she thinks Norma is cool. And Norma can't figure out why Badia thinks that she's cool. But yeah, yeah, she calls logs health and safety. So one of the things that I noticed is that when Harmony greets them, he says, Namaste. (laughs) (laughs) And only Logs and Norma seem to register this as wrong. Like Norma, Norma. Both the the Asian characters are like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Norma's like, Logs just kind of gives a polite little whatever, which is, and I have in my notes, like in a big square, who is paying them? Like, who is paying them to be here? Who is paying Harmony to do this? Harmony is clearly evil from minute one. And he he still probably, like, a deposit check still probably needed to be sent in, though. Somewhere, right? Before, like, we get to sort of the twist of Harmony. In this, like, opening section where they're going through the trust fall, the trust exercises, the trust fall bit is the funniest to me. And somehow most relatable because... Barney stands behind Norma to do the trust fall and Norma falls forward instead of back into Barney. And Barney says, why didn't you fall backwards? Yeah, why did says, you do You that? might not have caught me. So like, she, <laughs> she would rather fall forward on her face than risk it's, the person not catching and her. And did not catch very herself. Physical did not fall forward and catch herself on her hands. Fell forward flat on her face because she her was nose. like, I can't trust this fool. It's like when you're falling, you're like, look, my nose will catch. It will break my fall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is so, it's such a perfect little vignette of what anxiety does to you. Yeah. The neurodivergent among us can overthink something like this where they're like, well, if I fall backwards, then these many things will happen. But if I fall forwards, I know I'll just fall on my face, you know? <laughs> That yeah, is... You don't have to risk being disappointed or being, you know, mistreated if you know that you're going to throw yourself face first into the ground. Yes, 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 yeah. precisely. So Harmony is their leader. He's doing all of these trust exercises, these team building exercises, and he's going through all of the classic team building exercises, which leads me to one of my questions for you. What is your favorite team building exercise, Jeremy Go? I mean, as as a... As a drama student, I really enjoy the the mirroring exercise. The I don't know if that's ex- it's not a trust exercise, but it is sort of like a team building, relationship building thing of, All right. of mirroring okay. the, All right. the other person. 
drinking. All right. Okay. Team building exercise, drinking. All right. Emily, what's your favorite one? Beating Sears to the skull. <laughs> well, you're in luck because that's what they're <laughs> going to do. I was going to say that human knot thing. That one always makes me excited. Or anytime I got to play with a parachute in PE. Oh, yeah. They brought uh, out the parachutes and that was the best. When did they bring it out in the show? Parachutes? No, they didn't do that in the show. Oh, okay. That's just what I like. Oh, yeah. Just as a kid. I'm, like. I'm going to say being inebriated is the only thing that's ever made me not want to leave. Yeah. I Whenever like people say parachute. now, they're like, let's go do a ropes course. And I'm like. Yeah. Having to touch other people is not great, especially in like a professional setting. You know, that's a little bit dicey for me, especially like if you're all tangled up bodily. Anytime I've been at a ropes course or done that trust exercise, I always fall into a no. Hey, I think we should. Is, is anyone listening to me? I No. All right. Fuck it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I I have to admit that as a teacher, people always have icebreakers that they're like, oh, let's do some fun icebreakers. I hate them. Yeah. I'm bad at them. Yep. As I'm a teacher, you. I never played games. I will participate in them if asked to because I don't want anybody to like their plans to go poorly. And usually after finishing an icebreaker, I'm not unhappy that I did. However, I hate whenever I games. teach anything, like my students are like, are we ever going to play any games? I'm like, no, I don't play games. I don't, I don't like them. And come here to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> Every party I've ever been at where it's like, now let's do an icebreaker game to get to know each other. I'm like, I was already doing that. Yeah. Stop having a fucking conversation. Yeah. Which you have now interrupted. For this bullshit game. <laughs> yeah. Like I was in, I was into something. I found out this person says monorail. When I say monorail, monorail. And um, now I'm like, oh, I know I could talk to you at this game. Yeah. I mean, party, I, whatever. Parties are the I game. I will say Survival. when I was in Kenya, we asked the teachers to introduce themselves and like say their name and like what subject they have just so we could get a feel for who's there. And the first person who stood up told the story of how he got his name i mean it was very short it wasn't very long but he mm -hmm. said what his name meant and why he was named that and then every other person said what their name was and what their name meant and how they got that name and i was like that is the coolest thing <laughs> i was just like fascinated the whole time i was like oh my gosh this is the most amazing why did they never think to do this anyway okay so yeah so harmony clearly evil i mean he looks like a total hippie does he does he actually i mean you know he's got his hair swooped over one eye he's got like a little goatee he's wearing like a little skull necklace he's he wearing, looks like, like a guy who lives in a van yeah, yeah. and he comes out of Damn a van and he's wearing river. like a dashiki adjacent shirt or whatever like top and he starts asking them to explore their fears as their final trust exercise and he is clearly feeding off their fears he's getting yeah. like a real high off of them touching this special skull that he has, and they're all getting trapped in their fears. But plot twist, Norma is the Hulk. What's her secret? She's scared all the time. Yes. When you're scared all the time, you have to just figure out how to get through the world, even though you're scared all the time. So Norma discovers that she can enter other people's fears by touching the skull with them and helps everyone deal with their fears. And then she feeds all of her anxiety into Harmony, whose name is actually Harm Many. Okay. And she feeds him enough that he explodes and they are covered in a disgusting goo. And the skull cracks. Beer juice? And the skull cracks. And yes. 
floats away into the lake that probably has alligators and sharks in it. It's anything like Disney World. Yes. I don't know what kind of supernatural runoff is going on with that park, but I'm sure that it is contaminating the surrounding area. Um, Throwaway lines from this episode that were my favorite, other than Spellbook Pugsley, was when Harvey says, I always bring a skull to a party, and Courtney's like, "Mm, yeah, it's just a cute little... Courtney, yeah, no, Courtney's a delightful presence in the show. Yes. Yeah. Um, Especially when Courtney's like... I yeah, just, I get it. I get it. This is my worst fear. You've all seen it. Laugh at me. Yeah. I do feel like there's a certain element where, like, maybe in a different world, it would be healthy to feed your fears to the skull. I mean, yeah. Like, if I like could if the skull my fears... isn't, like, trapping you in fear world, but just being like, I take your fears. Yeah. Skull, I eat them. Yeah. Like, Wait, what, you know... what show is that where she's like, I just took all your negativity? It just took all your negative energy. Yeah, what if the skull place? could be like Pac-Man? Maybe, yeah. What I think if that a good place? Yeah, what if that skull the is just Pac-Man? Sister, like going through. Oh yes, that yes. I take your negativity. Yeah, like just going through your brain, just chomping up all the fears. Yeah, I mean, eating them for your ghosts and also cherries. And yeah, yeah. All of those ghosts are really cute. So I think that we should also appreciate that our fears are important and cute and part of us we don't always need a power pill anyway i mean uh, as an anxious person like i i have a lot of anxieties and yeah you just i had i have to learn how to just like accept them (laughs) so that i can continue moving on with life so i feel like we had a conversation about that recently where i was like you have to accept that this is a thing that you could be anxious about but that you can't do anything about it right now. So you just put it off to the side. Like that's mm-hmm. how I that's how I deal with anxiety is like, can I do anything about this? Nope. All right, check it to the side. Yeah. The tricky part is keeping all that side anxiety from coming back at you when you that, through this you know, later. that rubber band of reality sl- slaps back. The idea of an, a chronically anxious character, as nuanced as Dorma is. Being able to kind of utilize that Hulk logic to defend herself and also overpower a fear demon. Like this demon feeds on fear, but ultimately is not very like experienced in dealing with neurodivergent people. And I think that's the thing is that demons don't go for people that are divergent in any way because they're unpredictable. Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying. Is that that what you tell yourself so that you can like convince yourself that demons will not come for your brain? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a wild guy. This is absolutely how I accept myself. Jeremy, are you like, I might be weird, but demons will get me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm too weird. Well, have I told you guys the story about the Kitsune in Japan? No. So. No. Okay. Real quick. So I, I was visiting a friend of mine in Japan and he was doing the study abroad program and he was with a host family. It was really, really awesome family. It lived out in this kind of suburb of, it was more like a, the North Bay to Tokyo. It was a good 40 minute train ride from Tokyo. And it was in this, this lovely little town that had like rice fields and forests and stuff. And there was a uh, comic shop that I wanted to visit. That was open till midnight, but it was through the woods. So I would have to walk from this town through these woods that had a road that had no speed limit. There were no street lights or anything at 11 o'clock at night through the woods to this, this other town. 
for comics? Yeah, they had really rare mangas. And, you know, now they're all like, I mean, this is 2002. See, Emily, this is why the demon's going to get you because they know your weaknesses. They're going to say, they're mangas. Well, yeah. Among us. Yes. (laughs) But, well, the thing is, my friend Robert, who I was visiting, is goth. And our host mom, for lack of a better term, I mean, she's she's the, the host mom of the family. She was giving us this flashlight and she's like, here you go. Watch out for the obake. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And Robert is like, oh, it's like a boogeyman. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, I'm worried about it. Like, I'm fully worried about it because this is, you know, this this very this this very serious. I'm worried about it. Yeah. Like, I don't know if she's just fucking with me for funsies, you know, which is like, cool, whatever. Didn't seem like that kind of person, though. And she was like. Just watch out for the obake. And when we came home, she explained that, like, she was worried about the obake, but the kitsune, which are those sort of trickster foxes, also are in those woods. And she said, well... Wait, wait, are those the ones with, like, seven tails? Nine tails, usually, when they're, like, old. Yeah. And the kitsune will play tricks on you and eat you or something. There's a variety of things that they do. But apparently she wasn't worried about the kitsune getting us. Because Robert was too goth. So apparently, Kitsune are afraid of goths. And so if Kitsune can be afraid of goths, I feel like demons could be afraid of how powerful my anxiety is. Nice. I know it's it's a stretch of logic, but I think, you know... No, the fact no, it works. Someone it works. Else, yeah, the fact that the whole crew over at Dead End Paranormal Park also picked up on, on some of these concepts, I feel like there's there's something there. I think there is. Absolutely. So, yeah. Any other straight observations about this episode? Just that I thought this was wonderful. I thought this is a really great depiction of anxiety, being overwhelmed, uh, social situations. Again, terrified of having to socialize with my coworkers, so I feel like they captured that very well. Great guest star. Um, I think I just really want to highlight the shift in art style when we go into Norma's world, which is so well executed. Absolutely. Yeah, all the fear worlds were very, very cinematic in ways, even with... I liked Hamster World. Yeah, the Hamster World with, like, the weird... The weird uh, coloring. Color, yeah. Like, the red being so... It's like, is this Elden Ring? (laughs) No. It's a world where hamsters curl up your sleeves, which is... (laughs) One thing I do want to mention about... The fear worlds is the the fear the, the fear hallucination that Barney has about his grandma. There are a lot of ways that they could have made that a lot more terrifying. And not well, I don't want to say terrifying. There are a lot of ways they could have made that a lot more traumatizing for members of the audience. And the way that when we watched they them or they slash them. The first thing that they lead with is one of the most traumatizing and upsetting things that can happen to a person. Yes. Girl being misgendered. And and stopped in the shower. Stopped in the shower. Like all this stuff that is really, really upsetting on levels that, you know, whoever was. That movie uh, was so upsetting. Yeah. And but. This movie or this movie, this show, especially the the fear hallucination that that Barney has does not include any slurs, dead naming harsh language even because all but it's still so scary like it's so perfectly embodies 
Barney's fears. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that's like, it's not scary to watch, but it would be scary if it happened to you. Yeah. Like the discordant noise and the pointing and the incessant pointing, you know, it's, I thought that was very well done. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it doesn't highlight anything that is toxic that people could repeat, which I think is really important for a kid's show. Yeah, I um, guess kids could just point at each other really hard. I mean, they already do that. They already do that. They do a really good job of highlighting the fear and, you know, with the context of the rest of the episodes, we, we know why Grandma is, or Grammy Graham is upsetting to Barney. We don't need the specifics. And I think that that's important because so many people dismiss when you are harassed or when you are dead named or whatever, people could say, well, those are just words. People have the same argument for slurs. Like, why are slurs so powerful? They're just words. It's not the words. And I thought it was a really great poignant way for the uh, kids show to express that without dismissing or reducing the experience to words. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. So, Jeremy, I believe there are some questions that you usually ask around this time. Yeah, I I think most of them we've honestly answered. I think we've all sort of agreed that it it deals with LGBT issues very well in the the form of Barney. And and further on, I think in Barney and Logs quite a bit as their, you know, relationship. And also. You all. There are other characters, yes. queer identities, but none of those are discussed in these shows that we're talking about. But there is more to that. I do also think, like, this is one of the more interesting and nuanced depictions of both anxiety and autism. Usually our questions about mental health and, and illness boil down to trauma. But this one is actually, like, very sort of interested and nuanced in, in discussing and depicting both autism and a general social anxiety. Yeah. We've already talked about quite a bit. Do we feel like this the show is feminist, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, especially since yeah. Courtney's such a trash. You got Courtney, Norma. I mean, this is all full of three dimensional, well developed women characters, like who got plenty of stuff going on, plenty of focus in the main cast. Yeah, there's definitely a good gender balance in the show, I think. And it yeah. doesn't suffer from tokenism. No. I think a lot of the characteristics that are often depicted in male characters are shown through female characters in this we do have you know courtney is sort of the the trash person uh or demon in her case i i feel like there's a large tendency for for almost every socially anxious or autistic character that i've seen on tv has been male and yeah. I, I think this is unusual and extremely well done in that case we, we don't get as much of it in these first few episodes, but I think Badia as a character gets better and more interesting as, as we go and starts to fill out quite well. I'm trying to think, I mean, obviously there's Pauline who is sort of a villain. She is villainous yeah. in some ways and sort of an extreme example in a, a lot of ways. But yeah, there's just a pretty well gender balanced cast. The, the weird face I was making earlier that Emily started to ask about is I was looking at the cast and I realized that it's a very interesting cast just generally. But Josh, who is one of the sort of the white guy theme park worker that they're friends with, who only appears in like five episodes, is voiced by Patrick Stump of Fallout Boy. Oh, Same. That's fun. Yeah. in this for like five episodes. It's just like it's a strange choice. He does sing. He, and he's a singer, doesn't he? Isn't he like doing this job until he gets discovered or something? 
I don't uh, I don't remember I, that bit, but I I do remember he does start the music for the musical episode. Huh. Yeah, it's it's generally a really interesting cast, especially like some of the the later episodes. We meet we do meet Tema Lucas's sister later, Zagan, who is played by MJ Rodriguez. So there's there's like a a really interesting group of people that we we get throughout the series. It's really well cast. What about race? How how do we generally feel about how race is dealt with in this? I mean, it it doesn't seem like it's ever being addressed directly, but again, this is a wildly diverse cast. I mean, you have a Jew a Jewish and Iranian American in the leads. In Pakistani. Um, sorry, Pakistani American in the lead. Like I said, it doesn't suffer from tokenism. It it's the the characters' identities are not. The characters aren't defined by their race, which but I think their race does inform their characters. Their yes. Yeah. Ethnicity is... and culture does inform who they are. Yeah. 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 Which is important. I think it's, it's an important thing because, you know, you can't ignore Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Agreed. I also want to mention that I appreciate the depiction of Barney as a larger person. It's, you know, it is acknowledged, but it is not an issue for the character. Yeah. Ne- and... Never is it implied by either Barney or. In later episodes, Barney's romantic partner logs that, like, this is a thing that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I absolutely love the fact that in later episodes, we find out that Barney is pretty athletic as well. Yeah. (laughs) And really enjoys going to the gym. Barney Um, loves some pro wrestling. He loves pro wrestling. Yeah, I I got far enough to the episode where he tried to suplex a giant enemy crab. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> spoilers it did not work <laughs> would you all recommend this absolutely yeah, i'm probably gonna keep watching it i think i mean i know it ends on a cliffhanger and fell victim to the greatest grim reaper of them all netflix god you know like it doesn't i'm trying to think if it really ends on a cliffhanger like they definitely set more stuff up to happen but i do feel like it both seasons sort of resolved the larger conflict in those seasons. So I don't feel like it's like several of the mystery shows on Netflix that have like died without anything being resolved. Oh, as yeah. a big fan of Archive 81. Oh, Jesus. Not happy. So sorry. At least Thank as a podcast you. about it. I don't know how closely the two relate, but yeah. I, I've only seen, like I said, I've only seen the first season of Dead End and... I don't know what happens in the second season, but just to spoilers real quick, that design of, I guess it's an angel maybe, is so incredible. Like, it's so unique. Are you talking about fingers? Maybe. The the one that looks like a... A hand? No. No. Okay. So the one that shows up at the very end of the first season. Anyway. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any other things that you would recommend if people like this? What I else mean, should they check out? This is probably the lowest hanging fruit that we've ever done for these recommendations, but I think we can all agree on Gravity Falls. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, Owl I, House. I, I mean, I could feel the Gravity Falls influence in like every inch of this show. Absolutely. Not not in a bad way, just like, but yeah, this is like, yeah, if you like this and you haven't seen Gravity Falls, holy shit, go watch Gravity Falls. <laughs> Dwell with yourself. Yeah, I feel... I f- go ahead. I could do a list. I feel like <laughs> there's a list here. Because I, I feel like 
Owl House is to me the the most obvious one because it has a lot of the same scary Weird stuff, fun show characters. characters. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think both of them have a lot of the same DNA as Kipo, which is you know, in a lot of ways, Owl House, but post apocalyptic rather than magical world. Oh, you were gonna say Kipo, Alicia? I was. Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, it also in in some ways, I think the the character dynamics of of the lead two characters, especially in some ways, remind me of Star versus the Forces of Evil, where, you know, you have the 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 female character who is the more like, was that also your secondary recommendation? Go on, continue recommending things. (laughs) I said recommend one thing and you took three of mine. You wanna you wanna recommend the ghost in Molly McGee or no? You uh, recommend it. Infinity Train is another no. one that I uh, feel like that's you watch that. <laughs> I love I, yeah. Infinity Train is also and people a... can't find it anymore. That's the really sad. Oh part. yeah, that's... yo ho ho and a bottle of stolen shows. <laughs> yo ho ho and a bottle of BitTorrent. Hey, so I'm just throwing out this out there for no particular reason, but uh, WatchSeries.id. Make of that what you will. Sounds good. Emily, what would you recommend? Well, I mean, out like the Owl House, the Infinity Train, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Steven Universe in there. There's a this new wave of cartoons that are really, you know, I think adjacent to this and, and kind of are, are lovely pairings with this, just to sound as Sonoma County as I can. But one thing I would recommend, actually, that is if you want to go back to some roots of these programs... Check out Real Monsters and the Beetlejuice cartoon. Hanley hmm. um, Ipkiss. Yeah. These cartoons were 90s cartoons. They were ahead of their time. They're not as deft at dealing with these issues at all. However, the character of Beetlejuice and the character of Lydia Dietz do have some things to say about, you know, maybe not neurodivergence because they're very much, well, Lydia is more Lydia is odd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's Beetlejuice is a demon. Yeah. Spoilers. But the fact that that Beetlejuice's idea of hell is like militarized cutie things, I think is something that deserves a little like consideration for the time. And, you know, the the characterization of the the sort of spooky characters in those shows are so fun and weird that I highly would recommend it. I should say I would highly recommend it. But yeah, so check out Beetlejuice. All right. Well, cool. Well, my final recommendation would be to watch Hilda, which is also on Netflix. Hilda is just also based on a graphic novel. Absolutely darling and precious and has a very similar dry humor that this show has as it's dealing with a main character who, you know, has adventures with lots of different creatures and you know develops their own found family they also have a really 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 cool librarian so yes i absolutely would recommend hilda i love hilda absolutely yeah whenever i feel like i need a well i need a little shot of cottage core and i also need to stay awake I watch Hilda. If I don't need to stay awake, I watch Moomin. Yeah. But yeah. And I feel like I understand David like a lot, you know? David's oh. real he's real Arnold from the magic school bus. Like Absolutely. I, I knew I should have stayed home today. And I feel like <laughs> I understand him so well. 
also really love the episode where their friend's room gets really messy and she's like look at what happens to my room and they watch it or like a video of her all all night and they're like you just messed up your room and she was like yeah I mess up my room and it cleans itself every morning does it yours <laughs> and they were like okay wait that's the weird thing is that your room is cleaning itself and not yeah. staying messy which yeah not that not that you're brilliant. like sleep messing your room yeah because <laughs> you know that well, i can't remember her name that character's name i'm blinking on everybody's name and hilda other than hilda and david woodman's uh, a real one that's all i know woodman is a real one frida frida like i love that about frida that she can mess a room mess up her room at night because she definitely needs an outlet <laughs> she is a very powerful powerful being and you know life is not is is not powerful enough for her unless she has to do a few things to make it more challenging so and the kid who uh played hilda um i shouldn't say kid because she's like 19 now so she's yeah. an adult but you may recognize her as a uh, liana mormont oh bella ramsey yeah oh yes 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 they play hilda yes bella ramsey uses they them pronouns thank you oh, good to know I did not know that. I was trying to look it up really quickly. Yes, they are also Ellie in The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. On HBO. And they are out and proud non-binary. Awesome. Good for that. Do they do the singing voice of Hilda as well? I don't know. I don't know. When Hilda sings, it's cute. It's cute. All right. <laughs> anyway. We should probably wrap up. Yeah, 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 yeah. we should. I feel like we've been talking for a while, but thanks y'all for watching the TV with me. And do we know what television we are consuming for next week? No. <laughs> All right. I would suggest Evil just because I want to rewatch it. But those episodes are with, like... Uh, yeah, Evil starring Luke Cage next week. Exactly. Okay. Luke Cage and... I will be calling Columbia him Luke and... Cage the whole episode. Is, is Evil the one... With like the X Files, the Vatican X Files. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And it's set in the Good Wife, Good Fight universe. Okay. Yeah. Can't be true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's what? also he's also in the Good Fight and the Good Wife. He he plays. He's a, a whole different character in those. Things. He's That's a whole different char- character, but then oh, like okay, they bring up they bring that up. Like they're like, oh, this guy, and he's like, oh, I was out of town for whenever we were doing this like they kind of imply a connection but yeah they're all set in the same universe i was all really hoping that diane would show up at some point on evil gotcha so i mean next good. week evil yeah nice. all right all right i don't know how to end the show so i you have to tell people that until thank next you all time. for for coming thank you jeremy emily and ben for hanging out with me this evening where can people find you online hit me up on twitter at ben the con or at bencomics.com yeah. I'm on Twitter as Megamoth and the website megamoth.net and Megamoth on Patreon. Awesome. I am on Twitter, but you probably shouldn't be. All right. <laughs> That's true. Fantastic. That's true. Don't go on Twitter. Okay. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Alicia Whitley, where I mostly write about teaching stuff. And that's pretty much it. So thanks everyone for joining me today. And thank you, audience at home, for listening. And until next time, stay horrified.